the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Radio MD, and we're having a show here this morning. We're putting on a show, and we're streaming live on Facebook and God knows what other platforms because I clicked a whole lot of buttons, and we'll find out what happens. And, oh, by the way, did you hear, Ken, that the uh, American Medical Association, the panels of experts, had a big meeting last week to decide whether or not we should open up the country? Did you hear about that? And what was the conclusion? I haven't heard about that. Well, the allergists were in favor of scratching it, but the dermatologists advised not to make any rash moves. The gastroenterologist sort of had a gut feeling about it, but the neurologist thought the administration had a lot of nerve to try and do this. <laughs> Meanwhile, the obstetricians felt uh, certain everyone was laboring under a misconception, maybe even false labor, while the ophthalmologist considered the whole thing short-sighted. <laughs> Now, many pathologists yelled, over my dead body, <laughs> while the pediatrician said, oh, grow up. And the podiatrist just walked away. The psychiatrist thought the whole thing, uh, the whole idea was madness, while the radiologist <laughs> could see right through it, and the surgeons decided to wash their hands of it, and the internist claimed it would indeed be a bitter pill to swallow. The dentist thought the whole thing should be pulled. Plastic surgeons opined that this proposal would put a whole new face on the matter. <laughs> the, the, the podiatrist, you're right. They thought it was a good idea to just walk away. <laughs> hey, Doc's got a comedy writer. All right. <laughs> now, now, listen, the urologists were pissed off at the whole oh, idea. And the anesthesiologists thought a whole idea was a gas, and those lofty cardiologists didn't have the heart to say no. <laughs> But in the end, the proctologists won the argument. They said, leave it up to the a-holes in Washington. Okay. <laughs> now, that's the expert panel, so we're done with that. But I did want to get that in, if you don't mind. No, I know you don't. We did, yes. <laughs> so we, we had uh, a big deal at the AMA, apparently, big debate, so... You know, we like to know what the doctors are thinking. It's important. <laughs> so uh, we're opening up. Everything should be open as far as I'm concerned everywhere. But that's just well, me. You know, it, I mean, come on, just let it rip. I mean, the president has proven that we can 
treat this. I mean, and he really didn't have anything that we haven't been using, even though he had the, uh, the uh, Regeneron, which is the uh, lab created, sort of not created, but the lab purified version of the convalescent serum, you know, the plasma that you get out of people that have had the, the virus and have antibodies. So it's just a more, um, more compact and more concentrated form of that. We've been using that for months. In fact, we don't use it much because it's expensive. And with the remdesivir and the other treatment that we have, the treatments we have, like the uh, steroids and dexamethasone and the anticoagulants and all that, it just isn't really all that that helpful. Now, the president's touting it, but he doesn't know. He's not a doctor. And, you know, it's not for the doctors in the White House to go out and, and contradict him. So, you know, I, I don't know, Ken. It seems like it's kind of a, a silly argument, but I agree we should open up because, you know what, we can treat this. And I know people say, well, my grandma died. Well, how long ago was that? And where was she treated? Uh, one of the, I told you, did I say this last week? One of the nurse anesthetists was talking to me and she said that she lost uh, a relative in July. And I said, what hospital? And she said, one of the downtown hospitals. I said, you should have brought her here because <laughs> she would have lived. We would have saved her. It does but, seem we're doing better at treating. I mean, it really does. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The death rate is, the death rate now, not the number of people dying, but the death rate has fallen precipitously. I mean, it is like one-tenth of one percent of the people who have the disease or who are, are testing positive, I should say. <clears throat> so it's even less deadly than the flu. But the problem is, is you got to get in early and you got to get to the right place and get the right treatment, which has been around for a while. So, And, and I also want to remind everybody to wear your mask, even though it looks like this thing is winding down until we get a, a, a vaccine. I hope that everybody will be safe and and continue to wear their mask, especially when they're in enclosed areas like stores. And and uh, now when you're outside, I don't think it's as important because the wind shear will break up the droplets. But when you're inside, it's important. Uh, and I want everybody to remember that. Oh, you know the song that I picked out today, James Brown? Yeah, sure. I like it. Oh, I love that yeah. song. Don't I can't stand it. I can't stand myself. <laughs> and at any rate... My next welcome neighbor. to my life, Doc. <laughs> yeah, welcome to mine too. So, uh, my next door neighbor, Barb, she she's eighty three, and I, I'm not going to tell you her last name because she'll be mad at me for giving her age out anyway. But um, if she's listening, she said, "Oh, Bill, would you please play some James Brown? I just love James Brown." And she took off for Tennessee. She has a piece of property up there which she finally put on the market and sold, and so her daughter and her are up there closing the deal. And she was, you know, needless to say, upset because it was a piece of property that her and her late husband had bought 30 or 40 years ago and had spent half the year there uh, for many years. And a lot of memories and, you know, a lot of anguishing over what to do with all of the the uh, furniture and the goods and the, the equipment that they had, the farm equipment and so on and so forth. And so my heart went out to her. And, you know, it's tough. You you. you have to dredge up a lot of old memories and think about your past life, but uh, letting go is never easy, Ken. It's never easy. So at any rate, we send that out to Barb and to all the people who are suffering a loss and who are trying to let go and move on. Dr. Bill's reaching out and touching you 
and giving you a great big hug and a kiss. I love and the that, empathy today. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, people people need they need support through these times. It, it, it is upsetting, and I understand that. I mean, as a doctor, you know, we don't get real emotional after being in this business for a number of years. You know, we can kind of step over a dead body here and there and keep eating lunch. But for most people, that's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal when they lose a loved one or when when they have someone in the hospital who's in, in critical care. It, and you can see the anguish on their face and you, you try to comfort them and, and let them know that you're there with them. But we doctors, sometimes we forget uh, that empathetic aspect of medicine, especially as we get older and well, ugly. Emotionally, you can't you can't allow yourself to get emotionally involved with every patient like that. I imagine you would, no, you no, would destroy no. yourself. You know, you, you can't get that emotional about it. Well, you can't you can't provide good care because you know you have to be dispassionate when you're thinking about the intellectual aspects of this and, and what you need to do to uh, help people through a crisis. And that means calling up all of your knowledge on the matter uh, and putting it to work and knowing where to. Go and research if you're not sure what to do and who to call and what experts, what consultants to bring in, uh, just as we had the panel earlier in the show uh, discussing whether or not to open up the country. So, I mean, really, you have to you have to be uh, you have to be spot on. You have to be on cue and you have to be sharp and you can't let your emotions get in the way. Yeah, you can't uh, forget you're dealing with real people on the other end, too, with a family and all that. Oh, yeah. Listen. I told you about the time that uh, we had this really heavy set woman that one of the back surgeons who I worked with uh, did a procedure on, and she was in the hospital for several days, and she was complaining of chest pain. I said, well, look, uh, the chest X-ray is okay, but I can get a CAT scan if you want. No, she didn't want a CAT scan, and I was thinking, oh, my God, what if she's got a, a blood clot in her lung because, you know, she's ultimately... Uh, the the the, uh, the prime candidate for that being an older female weighing 400 pounds, just having surgery, being immobilized. No, she didn't want to do that. Well, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and argue with people. Uh, I'll I'll plead my case, and then ultimately you have the right to make the decision unless you're deemed incompetent. So she decided to go to rehab, came back with a clot in her lungs, mm. and. Uh, we had her in the ICU, we had her on the anticoagulants, and so we decided to let physical therapy get her up and, and try and walk her because the worst thing you can do with a, a new back patient is to let them lay in bed after you do a, a fusion on the lumbar spine. You want to get them up and moving. And she came back, and they put her back in bed, and she was in distress and, and hyperventilating and tachycardic heart racing and all that, and her oxygen levels dropped, and she coded right there. And and she died, and uh, and so the family was there, and and you know I, I said I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I mean this is a horrible situation. She was high risk, and you know, you know blah 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 blah. And then the son-in-law came in, and he was out of control. He just damn near destroyed that intensive care room. He picked up the IV pole and threw it through the glass door and and was swinging things around, and he was yelling he was going to kill the doctor. That doctor, where's that doctor? Well, that doctor was me. (laughs) I was was in the front line there. It was a Sunday, and there was nobody around but me. Well, fortunately, we have a doctor's lounge where the door locks, and you can't get in without a badge. And it's not just your average lock. I mean, it's one of those magnetic locks that you can't 
you'd have to take an axe to the door and it's a two inch oak door. So Dr. Bill, realizing that discretion was a better part of valor, <laughs> went and hid. But you know, you have to be cognizant not only of people's feelings and emotions and trying to console them, but also as a physician, you occasionally have to be, be aware that they can get really upset and violent and uh, uh, health issues and death and dying, they, they evoke a lot of emotions in people. So these are, these are big deals for a lot of people. And we need to have sensitivity, but also some common sense. So there you go. That's, that's my little spiel on, on, on empathy. What do you think? Does I, it sound? I, I think everybody should still wear their masks, keep themselves out Absolutely. of that situation, you know? And, and you know, especially when you've got an angry son-in-law looking for you, because if you have a mask on, they <laughs> well, may not recognize you. There you, you. go. <laughs> so it, it serves multiple purposes. So keep wearing those masks for a while longer, folks. Keep those masks on, boys and girls. That's an important lesson here. So I was going to talk about. I was. I wanted you to play that clip, but you couldn't get it on. Yeah, it was uh, not working for me here. You're no good, low down. I know. I'm telling you. Well, fifty lashes with a wet noodle, as my mom used to say. Well, we'd like to, but um, I don't need. Barb would probably fire me if I did that. How is Barb? Uh last I checked, just fine. Always smiling. Well, I think she is. Got the mask on. I think she's smiling. <laughs> well, let me see if I can read you something that Trump said. Some of the White House. Uh, he did condemn uh, racism in 2017, again in 2018, 2019. He's condemned it about 50 times. Oh, yeah. and Over and over know. again, yeah. I don't know what, what more we can say, but I was... I, was... I think it's part of it. Let me see if I can get play this part for you. Okay, see if we can get that up there. I think I got part of it. It was was stalling on me here. Let me see if I can get this to work. And we press that. Including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. We are a nation founded on the truth that all of us are created equal. We are equal in the eyes of our Creator. We are equal under the law, and we are equal under our Constitution. That's what we got there, Doc, but I think that's okay. the gist of and it. Yeah, and, yeah, and it sounds good. And he said racism is evil, and those who cause violence in the name, in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. I mean, he said this several times, so— I, I, I honestly think that he was sick uh, the night of the first debate because when he said, you know, stand by and stand down, it didn't make any sense. Uh, he, he didn't really know to – I think he he had a little bit of brain uh, involvement there. You know, one of the things I thought – I watched the debate, of course, like everybody else did. I thought when I first saw him that he just didn't look right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, he didn't look – he didn't look his usual sharp self. No, he didn't. So – And and he says it himself, as I have said many times before, no matter the color of our skin, we all live under the same laws. We all salute the same great flag, and we're all made by the same almighty God. We must love each other, show affection for each other, and unite together in combination of hatred, bigotry, and violence. We must rediscover the bonds of love and loyalty that bring us together as Americans. I mean, how much clearer can you be? Hmm. 
I'm, I'm sorry to see the second bait apparently falling apart here. They're not going to get that done, I guess. Yes, you are. You're going to get it done by the time the second half of the show comes around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, Joe Biden. I mean, he's an interesting kind of guy. I, I do like seeing... Uh, Seeing him in action, he's he's a fascinating man, and uh, he's been in politics since he was a young guy back in the seventies. He was actually one of the youngest senators ever elected. Did you know that? Um, I heard that somewhere along the way. Yeah, he's been there for what forty years or so for, in the Senate at least, right? He's been around a long time. So uh, he he was born in the nineteen early nineteen forties. And uh, he was the vice president, as we know, under Obama. And Obama considered replacing him in, on the 2012 ticket because Obama's uh, popularity was falling after he increased our health care costs tremendously. And uh, but, but, you know, Biden has uh, been a real peacemaker in the Senate. I did not, not realize that he was such a compromising guy. Of course, he's gone back and forth a number of times on a number of things. Uh, but apparently he and Mitch McConnell are friendly. And uh, they've worked out some deals over the past uh, few decades, back during the, the what they call the Great Recession, which was not as great as the recession in the 1970s. But, you know, most people aren't old enough to remember that. They got the tax relief uh, bill passed, the Budget Control Act passed, uh, debt relief and American Taxpayer Relief Act passed with the uh, the work of Biden and uh, and Mitch McConnell together. Did you know that he supported uh, the uh, second Iraq war initially? Uh, he was a strong proponent of that. Did you know that? I did not know that. No. Of course, it wouldn't, you know, when the sentiment of the country changed, he changed. Oh, is that what happened? I, th- I thought he was, somewhere along the way he was against it, yeah. So I didn't know he was uh, originally for it. Yeah, he for was it. for it and then against it. And then he was against busing and then for it and then against it and then for it. And so he was for it in, in the South, but not in Connecticut where he lived in a fairly white neighborhood and it would have been uh, a, a longer distance to bus the kids, uh, the white kids, to black schools. And uh, not that he was really against it, but his constituents uh, were against it, and they booed and, and jeered him at a town hall meeting uh, years ago, back in the in the seventies or eighties. I think it was in the seventies. So then he he's gone back and forth, uh, which is you know what most politicians do. Trump's not most politicians. He doesn't go back and forth. You know, yeah, flip flopping is nothing new to politics. Yeah, you know, he takes a, Trump takes a stand and, and digs his heels in, and he'll he'll uh, negotiate and compromise, but uh, he wants the best deal he can get. Oh, by the way, you know, uh, Joe talks about his family coming up out of the coal mines and all that. Well, his father uh, was actually a white-collar guy and got into some financial problems and ended up moving in with the parents— Joe's grandparents, uh, finally came out and got his own apartment with the family and became a successful used car salesman. So <laughs> that, 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 that I didn't know. <laughs> that, now you know. 
He did not come out of the coal mines. He came out of the sales office <laughs> after getting some little old lady to buy a piece of junk. And Biden did not go to uh, public schools. He went to the Archmere Academy in Claymont when he was in high school, where he was a standout halfback and wide receiver on the football team. And he got elected class president. He got his B.A. in 1965 from the University of Delaware with a double major in history and political science and a minor in English, if you're interested. And he graduated with a C average. Now, in law school, he was ranked, uh, let's see. Oh, and in college, he was ranked 506 out of 688 in the graduating class. So that... uh, I don't think that puts him up there in the heavyweights of the intellectuals. And and by the way, I, I saw him on one clip where he said he'd match his IQ against anybody. Come on, big boy. Dr. Bill's sitting here waiting for you. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> throwing down the gauntlet. The IQ I'm gauntlet. I'm throwing it down, baby. <laughs> and then I think in his, his law school class, he graduated like 78 out of 84. Um, he got flunked on one course because he plagiarized 15 pages and he said he didn't realize that it was plagiarizing. That, that was at Syracuse. That's that's a tough argument to make, usually. Yeah, he he said it was inadvertent. Inadvertent plagiarism. Yeah, he just he was he was uh, he was real sleepy, and he just accidentally uh, copied from a book somewhere. Yeah, just accidentally copied from a book. Uh-huh. And so he he flunked that class and had to repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> and he said he thought law school was boring. Uh, by the way, he uh, did have a student deferment during the Vietnam War, and then he got out of it altogether because he, quote, quote, has asthma. Mm-hmm. And he was ranked 76 in a class of 85 at law school. He said he went there on a full scholarship. He did not. He went there on a partial scholarship. He said he had earned uh, five degrees or something like that in college and law school, which he didn't. And then he wanted to practice uh, criminal law, but it didn't pay anything, and he didn't like corporate law. So if you can't, like I said last week, if you can't do your teach, if you can't teach your administrator, if you can't administrate, go into politics. (laughs) Make money. (laughs) So in 72, he ran uh, for the Senate after doing some local stuff in in, uh, Delaware. And uh, he was, you know, good-looking Irish guy with, young family and cutesy and uh he was chummy with the AFL-CIO oh by the way did you know he started out as a Republican but he hated Nixon so much that he became an independent and then he switched to the Democrats I guess he saw more opportunity there in the Northeast I would imagine if you want to be a politician that's probably the way you would go yeah back then especially yeah and he he actually defeated the uh, incumbent uh senator when he ran he ran on a shoestring uh, they were handing out flyers. His sister was his campaign manager, and he won. He beat the guy, and he, you know, they thought he wouldn't have any chance at all <clears throat> to do it. And then right before he took office, that's when his wife and um, his sons were um, T-boned by a semi-tractor trailer, and his wife and, his, and one of his kids were killed instantly. And the, uh, the two middle boys, or two older boys, were in the back seat, and they survived. One had a fractured skull and the other a fractured leg. And he even thought about not uh, taking his seat in the Senate, but uh, Senate Majority Leader Mike Mansfield, whose name you probably remember, but most people don't, convinced him to stay. And uh, 
you know, he had a few tough years there, you know, understandably, you'd lose your wife and one of your kids right after winning the Senate. Uh, that's that's not an easy thing. Uh, but uh, three years later, he he met uh, his current wife and um, he remarried. She brought him back out of it and they've been together and she calls herself a doctor. I think she's a doctor of education. You know, the uh, the press, the liberal press, they address her as doctor, which is fine, uh, but they don't qualify whether that's a medical doctor or what. And he was one of the youngest senators. And uh, his son, Bo, who later died of a, a brain tumor, what, in 2015, I think, became the Delaware Attorney General and Army Judge Advocate and served in Iraq, believe it or not. And uh, his younger son uh, was an attorney and lobbyist and also a criminal that we're waiting for conviction of, or charges anyway. And uh, so he was against abortion, and then when the times changed, now he's for women having the right to make their own decision. So uh, he's gone back and forth on that. And, you know, he's a Catholic. Did you know that? That I did know, yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if you're a Catholic, if you're a practicing Catholic, you're not for abortion. You're, I mean, it's, it's just it's church law. That you don't take it, a it's life. It's cut and dry, right? It's, it's cut and dry. Yeah. yeah, there's no. I mean, for medical reasons, you know, to save the mother's life or something like that. That's that's different. But uh, uh, you know, I knew a lot of families over the years when I was growing up who had uh, Down's babies, and uh, nowadays they they just go and abort the baby, and and the kids were were so kind and loving, and the mothers were just delighted to have them because they usually were old, the youngest kid because the mothers were older, and that's when you have the Down syndrome babies is in your 40s. And so that would give the women uh, somebody to stay at home with them and keep them company, and they can fuss and worry over them. And, uh, you know, I've seen a number of Down's kids and uh, adults, too, in my practice, and it's it's fascinating to see the interaction between the mothers and and the children. And so, you know, if, if you believe in God, there's a plan, I'm sure, that God has for uh, children of special needs. And it gives gives the women something to do as they get older. <clears throat> and the other kids grow up and move away. So now Biden was a big uh, tough on crime guy back in the 80s and 90s. You probably didn't know that Comp Comprehensive Crime Control Act that, among other things, that now he he says he regrets some of uh, what he did. I wonder why he's doing that at this point. Do <laughs> it's you time, think it's it time to flip-flop, Doc. Yeah, it's time to flip-flop. <laughs> so he was all for criminal justice reform, and he did soften up a few of the aspects of it. Uh, then he uh, voted for the uh, bill that basically said, I guess, gay people couldn't serve in the military back in the 90s, and then... He voted in favor of that section of the broader federally mandated policy that deemed homosexuality incompatible with military life. But then, as you remember, Clinton came along and put an executive order out that basically said, don't ask, don't tell. And now he's a darling of the, uh, of the gay community because he did an about face. Um, he seems to be able to really interface with what it is his public wants at, at any given point in time. And uh, so 
he has gone back and forth. Now, one thing he's been pretty solid on is the arms control. He said, if we've negotiated a treaty with the Soviets, we have to stick by it. And he got mad at Ronald Reagan because Reagan said, well, the Strategic Defense Initiative, which most people don't remember, which was just a satellite-based early warning system, uh, was incompatible with the terms of the SALT II. Was that the Star treaty. Wars thing he used to talk about, Reagan? That's the Star, Star Wars, Wars yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the SALT II, uh, I don't know if, if Congress or if the Senate ever ratified the thing. I don't think they ever did because there were too many loopholes in it, just like there, there were too many loopholes in the uh, Iran deal, which Trump has backed out of, thank God. Isn't it weird how these presidents, I mean, Wilson and and uh, Clinton and and all these people, they negotiate these treaties, and then the Senate says no. Carter did the same thing. The Senate said no to some of his treaty negotiations. I think they ratified finally when, when Kennedy was SALT-1. I think they ratified that, though, didn't they? I think SALT-1 was ratified. Bay of Pigs may have had something to do with that. They may have been too frightened not to. Yeah. Yeah, that got a little out of control there at the end. So, so but his opposition to race integration busing in the 1970s, Biden was one of the Senate's leading opponents of race integration busing. His Delaware constituents strongly opposed it, and such opposition nationwide later led his party to mostly abandon school integration policies, except, of course, in the South, because we were still under uh, Reconstruction I think it went on for, what, 150 years? It was, it was supposed to end in the 1870s, but it was still going on in the 1970s. And by then, we had all hugged and kissed and made up anyway. Yeah. Mostly. Right. But, you know, come on. I can remember in Skokie back in the 70s uh, when the – in Skokie, Illinois, in the suburb of Chicago, when yes, the KKK sir. was marching. Oh. So don't don't tell me this is the southeast only. The whole country was suffering with this nonsense yeah. and the uh, the racial biases. And uh, my friend Reg, he, he was raised in Nashville. He's got uh, African blood, European blood, and Indian, American Indian blood, which, of course, is just Oriental blood. So, you know, he's like the trifecta of racial integration. And, and uh, he tells me a story when he was in medical school. Uh, a couple comes in, and uh, they... They have uh, a baby that has an earache and a sore throat, and, you know, what do you do? Um, and some of the kids said, well, I'd give them antibiotics and some decongestant. And others said, no, I'd, I think I'd just tell them to take some aspirin or some Advil or whatever was popular back then and see how it goes. You know, the pediatricians were kind of morphing into weenieism at that point. They didn't want to treat anything. And so then they did another scenario where the couple came in, and the father was black and the mother was white. And what would you do? And, you know, the setup was not to see if you knew how to treat uh, a kid with a cold and an earache. It was to see how you would react to a racially mixed marriage. And this was, what, in the 1980s. And one of the kids said, I wouldn't treat him. And everybody said, why not? I said, well, you know, it's, a, it's immoral. It's a racially mixed marriage. And my friend Red said, can you believe that in the 1980s? And I said, yeah, I believe it. But, you know, Reg, people change. I guess Biden's sort of the poster child for that. <laughs> <laughs> you evolve. That's what it is. You don't, you don't flip-flop. Evolve. You evolve. Your positions evolve. evolve. You don't flip-flop. 
And he wanted to know how that guy felt now. I said, he's probably changed, Reg. I mean, you know, the whole country's changed. And in the 1970s, when uh, Bradley was running for governor of California, there I've told you this story, that there was so much bias that the Pew uh, Institute uh, detected when they were polling people uh, that they decided to put in questions that would pick out people who were racially biased and said that they would not vote for Bradley because they were, you know, they didn't like his policies. So they could find out what percentage of the population in California or across the country brought a racial bias into elections. Well, you know what? In 2008, guess what? The Pew Institute had thrown all that out because in their early 2000s, they could no longer detect any racial, any statistically significant racial bias in voting practices of the American public. Did you know that? I had no idea, but I'm, you know, we've evolved. And, and so, come on, we've elected a black president. Yep. And, and, you know, I never said he wasn't my president. Didn't agree with 90% of what he said and did. But, but that he was still the president. That's right. He was still the president. I can't tell you the number of people I hear. Intelligent people, doctors. He's not my president. I hate him about Trump, you know. And, I mean, uh, you got to respect the office all the time. You respect the office. Uh, come on, you respect the decision of the states and the electoral college. You got to go along to get along. Oh, uh, look at the time, Doc. We should break here. You need a cup of coffee or something? What time is it? It's 9.37. We're just oh, my flying God. right by where I was paying so much attention to what you were saying. I didn't notice the time. <laughs> you, you're just so sweet. You're so <laughs> flattering. Let's take a break. And now, listen, try real hard and see if you can pull up that other thing and we'll play it. I'll see what I can do. You're a no-good skunk if you don't. Thanks a lot. (laughs) And I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Rain from Hurricane Delta saturating states across the deep south today. Tennessee Valley, mid-Atlantic regions, they're all going to get it. The Weather Prediction Center says the once major hurricane is expected to drop up to six inches, inches rather, of rain on Georgia, the Carolinas, and Virginia. Flash urban and small stream flooding forecasted for most of those states, with parts of Louisiana in danger of moderate to major river flooding in the coming week. Millions of people in northern England waiting to hear whether they will be put under tighter coronavirus restrictions in coming days. One of the British government's leading medical advisors warning today the country is at a tipping point in a second wave of the coronavirus pandemic. And Azerbaijan is accusing Armenia of attacking large cities overnight in violation of a ceasefire brokered by Russia, then the worst outbreak of hostilities between the two. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. One one seven two seven three eight four six four one one. 
Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I had begun to notice after 10 days with Balance of Nature, I felt better, more energetic, and believe me, for me, that's something because I have energy anyway, but as old as I am, that was really something to start really noticing. You know, we're all responsible for choosing what our attitudes are, but I had a better mental outlook. I mean, I always try to be positive, but there were subtle things in me that I began to notice. I just felt a difference with this. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RESULTS. Take AM860, The Answer, with you wherever you go with our mobile app, theanswertampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at radio.com. Jay Sekulow sees another cover-up. The top people on the special counsel's team, right after the Peter Strzok and Lisa Page text messages come out, decides to wipe their phone once. If an individual were to do this, knowing there was an investigation going on, what's the legal consequence? Well, the legal consequence is a criminal prosecution for at least two statutes. Jay Sekulow Live, afternoons at 5 on AM 860. The answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. A high rip current risk is in effect through Sunday evening. Otherwise, for today, times of sun and clouds with a thunderstorm. Humid with a high of 88. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low 77. Partly sunny tomorrow with a high of 88. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer.
I guess, buddy. So, we're here. We're all, we're doing a show live. We are, sir. <laughs> Did you figure it out or no? I think we got part of it. Yeah, we got a uh, the flip flop. Or the. Uh... All right. While you're getting that set up, let me put in a plug for my nail gel study. Uh, we're doing the study. We still need about 10 or 15 more people. You get free nail gel. That's the antifungal nail gel study. And if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, uh, uh, my green screen behind me, you can see Dr. Bill Radio MD and the phone number to join us 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. It's uh, very simple. You just put the nail gel on. We do a little physical on you when we get you into the study and we draw some blood at baseline at three months and six months, basically just to see if there's any absorption of the anti-inflammatory that I've put into my little uh, miracle potion. It does work. And uh, actually, Ken, I got uh, I got someone that came in the office the other day because I started pumping it out again on the show. Oh, well, great. Terrific. So now that the pandemic is starting to wind down and people are coming out of their uh, of their bunkers, uh, you can come in the office. Please wear a mask and we'll sign you up. Give us a call again. That's 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. We'll talk about that again at the end of the show. By the way, did you get that queued up? I got a part of it queued up. It's about the um, plagiarism he was uh, you were talking about earlier. Yeah, well, go ahead. Let's let's, uh, let's let's run some of the plagiarism that the I think it was, you know he, he had to drop out of the 1988 race because of his yeah, lying. This, this was uh, I think a 60 minutes piece, was it or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, okay, it's a let's, big let's, deal. Let's play a little bit of this here then. Yeah, let's do it. Hang on a second. Appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product cannot measure. It cannot measure the health of our children. The health of our children. The quality of our education. The quality of their education. The joy of their play for the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. He has also quoted or paraphrased John Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, all without credit. So that's, a, that's pretty damning evidence right there. Yeah, and uh, the part about law school, too. And, you know, they called him out on it. And this is the liberal press back in the 80s. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And he dropped out. I mean, you know, uh, th- th- these were the... These were the uh, progressive uh, socialist uh, moms and dads of our current literary and journalistic generation. So they, uh, they went after him. And uh, Plagiarism I, is stealing. I mean, that's all it is. It's theft. It's just theft. That's right. I can't. Stealing's too long of a word. <laughs> too many syllables in there, Doc. They, he copped it, man. He did. He t- it's just disgusting. I can't stand it. Not that I've ever done anything wrong like that. Um, well, I don't I think don't, you ever put it in a, a college entrance ex- or college exam, did you? Uh, well, you know, I I, I did uh, I did pen some of my own poetry and prose, and uh, I was a pretty good writer. I was an English major, so I didn't have to steal that. I I may have cheated on an exam once or twice in my life, but 99% of the time, I've been pretty good. I mean, I'm not, listen, I'm no saint, and I'm not the morality police. That, that's not my role in life as a physician. My role in life is to treat when I can, comfort, uh, of, of course, and uh, to obtain knowledge and to help people physically and emotionally through tough times. But, 
you know, that doesn't mean that I'm a saint. Well, well neither am I. I mean, I got caught cheating on a test, and I think it was the sixth grade, and believe me, the nuns have a specific punishment for that. Yes, you probably got five wax on the knuckles with a ruler. Oh, they had the, the paddle with the holes in it, so, it, you know, really. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. Ouch. And they were not afraid to use it, and they had permission, you know, from the families. Go ahead. <laughs> so Beat his little butt. <laughs> teach him a lesson, and he won't do that again, so. You know what? In high school, uh, my sophomore year, I was 15, and um, she was 19, and so we we had a late-night trist, uh, and so I would sneak out on school nights. I'd, I'd push my father's car up the little hill in the driveway and roll it down. 15, of course, you're not supposed to be out driving because you don't have a license, but I figured a little grand theft auto and kept it in the family <laughs> was no big deal. I brought it back. What do you want? There you go. So I'm sleeping through my afternoon classes and flunking French because uh, I'm out late at night (laughs) with my girlfriend. (laughs) I got caught. And, of course, they told her, uh, you realize he's underage and this is statutory rape. And so she got she get she backed out of it. And I got in trouble and I got sent to the assistant principal's office brother bernard mm-hmm. and he was this big tall heavy uh, black bearded italian you know we had our all irish and italian brothers in in in, uh, in high school as our teachers the zavarians saint francis xavier you might have heard of him if you're catholic yes <clears throat> at any rate and he had a paddle hanging over his door <laughs> and i thought oh my god i'm gonna get my butt whipped and, and he he didn't have any problem whipping butts. He was well known for that. And I went in and sat down. I was scared to death. And, uh, but I kept my cool. And he said, you, Mr. Handelman, do you know why you're here? I said, yes, brother, I, I do. I was sneaking out with my girlfriend. And he said, uh, I guess it wouldn't do any good to paddle you now, would it? <laughs> I said, no, no brother, it wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't do any good at all. It's too late. I already had my fun. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing I found when I was, we, we moved when I was in seventh grade. We moved from Chicago out to the suburbs. And at that point, I changed from a Catholic school to public school. And that next year, seventh grade, I pretty much had covered everything in there the year before. And I yeah. think that's the, the private schools are probably much better than the uh, than the public schools just from that standpoint. What do you think of that? I've always, I've always wondered uh, where you Unless stood you on the Unless you go to one of the targeted schools, that's probably true now. it's I think in our in our neck of the woods over here in St. Pete, Pinellas County, the schools have gotten a little tougher because of the, uh, the pressure of the parents. But I think overall, if you go to a parochial or a private school, uh, you're going to – at least the Catholic parochial schools were, were tougher – Mm-hmm. Uh, they were tougher overall, and I I don't know. Uh, I'd have to go do some research to see what the uh, outcome was for the guys in my class who graduated from St. Xavier High School. But uh, certainly the kids in our grade school, Holy Spirit class, that ended up going to public schools, I don't think for the most part they did as well as the majority of us that went to the private Catholic high school. So... Yeah, I would there, agree with you. Yeah, there, there was a definite gap. I mean, the seventh grade was the easiest year of my life because I knew it all. <laughs> we did this. It was also one of the most boring years in school that I had because of it. 
Yeah, and I think also the uh, the uh, the discipline uh, was important. And yeah. although although uh, there's aspects of it that I disagree with, certainly it it made me what I am today. It made me the hardworking, hard charging person that I am. Uh, we had Z- I never cheated on another test. I'll tell you that. Nope, never again. Yeah. But Zeke, we had him in a uh, Lutheran parochial school his first grade year, and he'd come home, Dad, this is so stupid, it's so boring. And I went to the headmaster, and I said, can't you put him in second grade math because uh, he's, he's just bored to tears. No, we don't do that here. I said, well, so we switched him over to Admiral Farragut, which is a private military academy. It's co-ed now. Years back, it was, uh, it was all male. It was a Naval Prep Academy. And, you know, they had three astronauts out of that program. Really? Okay. And I think two of them walked on the moon. Well, that is special. And Charlie Duke, uh, who you may remember, was one of the last people on the moon, I think, with Ed White or one of the other astronauts. Recall the name, yep. Mm -hmm. And you remember Ed White? We had the hospital here in town named after him, Ed White, because I believe he was also a graduate. And I think it was Gus Grissom was also a graduate of Admiral Farragut. At any rate... <clears throat> they were very tolerant of my son's uh, mouth, but they were not tolerant if you destroyed property or brought alcohol or drugs on campus or stole or sexually acted out. And uh, I, I told you the story. I think I told you the story that uh, we bought him an iPad or one of those you know, little computer pads uh, when he was in junior high. Mm-hmm. And it came up missing. And he said, Dad, I think I lost or had my, my pad stolen. We looked all over campus for it because, you know, the kids, they believe things here and there. And so we couldn't find it. We said, well, I guess it's gone. He's in the lounge. They have a really nice lounge in the in the uh, Hamrell Farragut School in the academy there with a ping pong table and a pool table. And he saw one of the kids with something that looked exactly like his pad. And he went over and said, hey, that's mine. That looks like mine. The kid said, no, it's not. Well, he went right to the uh, to the headmaster. Uh, uh, and uh, the headmaster called in the, the the kid that had the the computer that Zeke said was his, and he said, "Zeke, do you have anything on there that's that's uh, password protected?" And he said, "Yeah." And he opened up a file. <laughs> you know, they kicked that kid out of school on the spot. No kidding. No hearing. On no. The, no nothing. Just out of here. They they called his parents and said, Come you and know, get "Your him. son's your your son's expelled." We will have a, a staff member walk him out to the corner of Park and Fifth Avenue, which is uh, Park Street and Fifth Avenue, which is not New York City. It's in St. Petersburg, Florida. And they will wait for you, and you come pick your child up, and no, you don't get your money back. There's no refund for the school year. And that was it. Mm-hmm. He was gone that very moment. We need more of that in the schools, Doc. That's my opinion. Well, I, th- I think so. But the problem in the, in the public school system is that you, you have uh, so many uh, legalities and lawsuits and, uh, you know, so many civil rights acts and, and all that, that it becomes almost impossible to impose the kind of discipline that I think is necessary to get kids to uh, learn and have that opportunity to learn in an appropriate setting. Uh, I don't mean beating the kids. I don't believe in that. Um, I don't think that that helps a lot. And that engenders a lot of anger and, and, uh, no, but resp- holding people responsible and, and, and you know, yes. it's, it's all very important lessons to learn in life. And that's what they're supposed to be teaching. 
and well, I think that public schools serve more than just just a uh, teaching uh, environment. There are also uh, babysitting, there are lunchrooms, there, you know, there socialization, and so. I think that our leaders are reluctant to go too far in imposing discipline in those settings and kicking kids out because where will they go? Well, a lot of them are essentially parentless. The parents are, are even if they're there, they're not there. So mm. what do you do with these kids? But times are changing, too. We're evolving. Dr. Handelman and Ken solving the problems of the world every we Sunday it, morning between 9 and 10. <laughs> we're, we're all over it. We are all over it. And so at any rate, so... You know, Biden is, uh, he's a quintessential politician, and uh, he uh, has gotten into trouble over the years because of his mouth, his pleasurism, his cheating. Uh, but he's also gotten high marks from fellow senators for being uh, a compromiser and a peacemaker. And uh, so, you know. Yeah, the country, the country ran pretty good when Reagan and Tip O'Neill used to have a bottle of whatever in the Oval Office and solve. You know, come That's to an right. agreement. You got to talk to each other, guys. Yeah, and yeah, but you know, Reagan made everybody homeless. I remember well, I was out yeah. on the street with a tin cup. It was terrible, just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, did you know Biden had two brain aneurysms in 1988? That I didn't know. He did, and he had two surgeries. He had a very aneurysm that was leaking, uh, and then they found another one. And so, and he also had a, a, a lung clot when he was post-op which was a major complication. So he's had health problems. I mean, family, himself, and, and now he looks Parkinsonian when he walks. He's so stiff, and, and I know he's a little demented, but um, I guess they pumped him up with some medication for the for the first debate. Do you think he'll do the second one? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the second one. I hope they have the third one at least. Yeah, I hope they do the third one because I want to see Trump when he's at full full uh, steam at full, you know, when he's up and running and healthy. Yeah, virtual I think one just wouldn't work. I just don't see the virtual one working at all, to tell you the truth. No, even though um, uh, Kennedy and Nixon had a virtual debate, uh, but that's back when the press was a little bit more responsible and they wouldn't give the Democrat a teleprompter and they didn't have computers back then, but right. cue cards and all that to answer questions. But you know they'll do that with Joe. You know they probably will. yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I want it all to end. I just, I'm just want all the commercials to go away. Let's just make a choice and make the right well, choice, folks. You know what to do. We will. We'll make the right choice. Well, you and I will make the right well, choice. Yeah. I don't know like, about everybody else. But uh, you know, I, I, I can't even talk to my family. I can't talk to friends. I can't say, no, he never said anything uh, racist. He never, you should listen to him. They won't even listen. They won't even listen to his speeches. They hate him so much. They won't read anything that he said, sent out from the White House. How can you, how can you have a, a discussion with people who are functioning at such a primitive and an emotional level? Got to keep you an know? open mind, you know. Come on, listen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know. When you have anger and hate as your driving force, you're bound to stumble and make mistakes. There's just no doubt about it. Doc, we're down to about 45 seconds. All right. Well, listen, get in on the gel study, everybody, at uh, 
727-384-6411. I need some more people. 727-384-6411. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We're on AM 860 and FM 93.7 every Sunday, 9 to 10 a.m. And we solve the problems of the world. That's right. We we are on top of it. Ken, you're getting all kinds of good reviews from everybody. I'm just in (laughs) love with it. Now, if you could just learn the damn control panel. (laughs) I got it. All right. Say goodbye, Doc. Ten seconds. I'm saying goodbye, Doc. (laughs) You don't love nobody else. Get back. I can't stand myself.